0: Welcome to our weekly weekly Wednesday night shir. Sorry, we're starting late, like very late. Mm-hmm. Um, Yonishma, Avraham, and Chaniyah, Kananya, Yamtiv, Lipa, Shmuel Yachim, and Meisha, Dorit, Bass, Rasha Levi, and Jeanette Bass, Ibraim Akoyin, and. Chayim Baruch. Shabbos, matis Masai. Second Shabbos of the Binah Mitzorim, three weeks. The most, not most, but another important concept is Chazak. We finish Chumash Bamidbar. We're also going to mention or learn about Hilchas Beis HaBechira Mitzchem, which is the dinim, the laws pertaining to the building of the Beis Hamikdash. As these three weeks, we are in mourning for the destruction of the Temple, and the Shem also another a little bit on Peirik Shani an inspirational story that I heard literally a half hour ago. A very, very powerful story. The power of a mitzvah. We sometimes wonder we do a mitzvah, what's the repercussions, or what's the results? Is there any results? Is there any reward? So, the story is told of a very wonderful Jew who lives in Muncie, New York. Lives in Muncie, New York, and he was dominating Maidiv. And after Maidiv, a fellow that knew him, knew of him, was friendly, was semi-friendly, came over to him and said, listen, I need a major, major favor. I'm making next week a wedding, a and a short, tremendous amount of money. Maybe you can give me a gem a loan To cover the wedding. So the fellow says to him, or says to himself actually, Honestly, I'm also making a wedding, Baruch Hashem. But my wedding is not till next year. Too it just happens to be that I Baruch Hashem put away money for that wedding already. But I also need it. So he answers him, I'm also making a wedding. And he came home, and he's sitting, and he says to himself, You know what? My wedding's in a year's time. This guy's wedding is next week. He's in he, shtuk, he's, he's in trouble. He's, he's genuine. Let me lend him the money. He kept the money in an old jacket in the basement. Some people use safes, he uses old jackets in the basement. Mm-hmm. Because nobody goes down there anyway, nobody looks. Right. So he goes downstairs to the basement. He's going to take the money, he's going to bring it to this fellow. He opens the closet. That jacket ain't there, no. There's no jacket. He comes running upstairs and he says to his wife, what happened to my old jacket who was downstairs in the basement? She so, oh, I threw it out yesterday. I didn't figure you didn't need a in the house. He turned purple. The miracle has it that in Muncie, New York, they collect garbage once a week. And that was not the day for garbage. So the fellow ran outside. And he rummaged through the garbage, and lo and behold found the jacket and the money. So he realized, I'm lending this guy money? No, I'm not lending this guy money. I'm doing him a favor? I'm not doing him a favor. I'm doing me a favor. I was literally saved because I decided to take the money and to lend the to money. Had I not decided that, and not gone to look for the money now, this money would long be kaput. Therefore, we see from here Hakalish Hu is much happier with mitzvahs. That we do, than la Between a person and their friends, even more than between a person and God. And this mitzvah proved to this person just that. This week, I'm sorry, I was. Um, Negligent, I left out one more very, very important point about the Shabbos. Ah, cliffhanger. You say such a thing and then you drink instead of talking. This Shabbos, Kalali Yisrael, at large, the entire Jewish nation unites. Where are we all going to unite, Rabbi? Oh. Up until this week, since Pesach, since Pesach, since Passover, we've been reading here out of Israel, out of the Holy Land, a different Pasha than they were reading in Israel. Because the last day of Pesach for us was Yom Tif. and for them it wasn't, it was Shabbos. So they read the Pasha of the week that week when we were reading the Pasha of Yom Tif. And we only read that Pasha the next week when they were already holding by the following Pasha. This week, we catch up. This week, we read Matas and Masai together. And that's a show, they're only reading Masai. There's different Svaras and reasons as to why it works this way. According to Arach I'll just give you the Derach Tsachus as we'd say, in the humorous humorous explanation for it. Matas Masai are very long parshas together. It's literally the longest possible kriya they could be. In Israel, they don't want to do that. So they see to it that they wait for Matas and Masai to separate. So they can them separately, and we get stuck doing them together. Ultimately, the Shekharach tells us it works out for the Parshas, to Rosh Hashanah, etc., So this week, in our Kutzlators, we're going to read Matas Masai, and our senior Desha our brethren, are going to be reading Pashas Masai. Matis and Masai. They don't even sound the same. Matis is a staff, or a it and Masai is the journey. We're going to speak a little bit about the difference. mata which is said as a shaved, but also means a staff. a mata and a Shevet both referring to both a staff and a tribe these Shabbosim as we know as we said before are the Shabbosim known as Shabbosim between Shabbosim and Tisha but the Shabbosim themselves form a very interesting entity. It's twofold. From one part, it's part of the three weeks. As I said before, during the three weeks we have Tsar, we have evil on the destruction of the temple and on the exile. But on the other hand, it's Shabbos. And we know there's no availus on Shabbos, there's no mourning on Shabbos. And even more so, because the also la Shabbos we have to be happy, we have to have enjoyment on Shabbos. So, in the weeks, in these days, in this very same time that we are mourning, we have Shabbos. It takes on a whole new dimension. And therefore, they give us, in part to us, a very important lesson. The beauty of the true joy and happiness that we are allowed to have in Golis, in exile. Sounds a little awkward. Happiness in exile. Exile is a bad thing. Gaulus is not good by any means it's painful it's torturous but the essence of it as everything that God does is for the good and this is a general attitude that one needs to understand and take how the worst of the worst that happens to us, within it, since it's coming from Hashem, since it's coming from God Almighty, there is good. Because God does nothing bad. So we need to find within the comp- confound, compounds confines of Gaulus, we need to find what is the essence, the good essence that we need to derive from this. The mere fact that at the end of Golos is the Geula Hamitas Vashlema, is the true redemption, the only way that we can derive a true pleasure from the true redemption is if we go through the golas. Golas gives us the beauty. You go into a dark, dark room, to a tunnel, and then you come out into the blaring sunshine. It's blinding It's blinding. But that's what we were looking for. We are always looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Dear optimist and pessimist, while you were arguing if the glass of water was half full or half empty, I, the opportunist, drank the water. the light at the end of the tunnel. We're of course anticipating the has shown an oncoming train. But the light at the end of the tunnel is what we're looking for to strive to get, to reach, to achieve. And the only reason we appreciate that light is because we're in the darkness. And so much more so is it with the Golas. That the ultimate Gula, the ultimate redemption will shine and it will be so much more enhanced with the fact that we are going through the Golos. And this way thereby it would be Yehav Hu the Sas the Simcha. These days themselves of mourning will turn over the joy. This we see in the Shabbos. The Shabbosim that there are in B'nai HaMitzarim is where we find these exact phenomenon the entire week we are going through mourning and when it comes to Shabbos we are totally oblivious to mourning we are allowed to mourn we only can have p- pleasure only enjoyment we find this concept in Matas Masay which is always leaned in this weeks I shave it. Or a mate, a staff, a shteken, has both names, Shavit and Mata. They're both branches. They both come from trees. Shavit is a fresh branch that relatively came off the tree recently and still has moisture in it. Whereas mata is the dry staff. It's been dried out already. It's been off and detached from the tree for a very long time. That's a good stecking. You don't want to shave it when you have a steck when you need a stecking. You need a steck and you want a mata. Alright, inside joke. When we traveled the family to Bear Mountain we were hiking and everybody was connecting and catching. I picked up a staff, a stick and I said, Ah, oh, I have a stecken. Get yourself a shtekin, and you'll be alright. And almost everybody followed suit and found a shtekin. and we walked through the mountains with the stekken and with the stecken we were able to do it. Psychological. These two names are hinted, Mata and Shevet, in reference to the Neshama HaKdesha. The Holy Soul that comes down, part of God Himself, comes into the physical mundane world, and almost looks like God forbid it's detached from its source. like a branch detached from its tree. This neshama, though, sometimes takes on the form of a shevet, and sometimes that of a mate. This shevet, that still has the moisture from Hashem, the godliness in it, and thereby has substance to it, still banking on its Godly source. And sometimes it's a mate. It comes to a very low stage, to a bad place, as we say. And this is the difference between the Shevet and the mate. And this is Elam Mate's first parasha. Mas'e, the journeys, we get the standard question. These are the journeys that the Jews took when they left Egypt. They left Egypt in one journey. The one step out of the gates of Egypt took them out of Egypt. There were no plural journeys taking them out of Egypt. There were plural journeys perhaps taking them to the Holy Land of Israel but not plural journeys leaving Egypt. So what's the Mas'a? It should be the Mas'a. Why plural when it should only be singular? This represents, again, the soul, the holiness Shama Tehidah, comes from the highest of levels down to the lowest of the world. And the second stage then becomes to go even in the lowest part of Israel, the Holy Land, of the, the Holy Nation. How? In the time frame of exile. And here too we see the Yerida, the Mata. We see the going down to this world. to the lowest things, lowest creatures and creations. (coughs) Yerida Tzerech Aliyah This Yerida, this going down is only there so that we should be able to come back up. The staff, the dry staff, the Mate, also has This strong backing, whereas the shavit the soft staff, takes the person back to a different level, and this is where we learn matas and masay. The lowering, the going down of the lowest level from the world of the world from Hakadosh Baruch Hu source to reach to the highest zenith of God's point, And to be bound once again with God Almighty. So Parshas, Matas and Masai signify and teach us about how the true exile is all about. How we need to bring about this revelation to elevate ourselves, and to reveal ourselves, tafka within the Golas, with strength, with force, through Tera, and through Yiddishkeit. And we should ultimately reveal the true Geula, the ultimate Geula. And this is the essence of the Shabbosim that we find in Ben Hamitzarim. The elevation that we have in the time of the lowest of low, during the time of the Bain of Saddam. A Jew needs to constantly remember. The reason the soul came down into this world, it has a mission. It has a mission even in the lowest parts of this exile. To what? To achieve the elevation, the completion, so that we ultimately become into the Gula hamitaz vashleima, and this is by standing up to all the hardships of the world, to all the troubles of exile, and to fulfill within these boundaries, fulfill the the requests the wants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in this dark era, in this low spot. And this is how a person brings about the Geula Amit The expression in America, what goes around comes around. But it's in the good, it doesn't have to be in the bad. We mean what when you do a good deed, it comes back to you. Some people will say no good and no good deed goes unpunished. It's a morbid way of thinking and looking at things, but hey, and Yiddish the expression is. Why do you hate me so much? I never did you a favor. This fellow, Marach Kirsch, he organizes the mitzvah tanks when you have a mitzvah tank parade. And it's pretty much a full-time job all year round because there's so many preparations, permits to be gotten, and it's just money to be raised for the tanks arranging the people, the places it's a job he was driving on the highway recently a few short years ago and he sees an elderly Jew on the side of the road and he pulls over and he says what happened does tells him, I have a flat. But I don't have a spare. I don't have a jack. I have no way of changing the tire. Even if I had a, a spare, which I don't have. That's terrible, says Malachi. Come, Ayyid. Give me the tire. I happened to have changed the tire recently because of some friends. They needed a favor. So I happened to have jack and everything in the back of my car give me the tire we'll take off the tire and I'll go get it fixed and he does just that and he goes he gets it fixed and he brings it back and puts it back mounts the tire back on the car umi geit b'shalom before he goes he says thank you very much what do you do? he says I work for the Lubavitch for the mitzvah tanks very nice. Shkoyach. And they exchange numbers apparently and he drives off. A few days later, Marah is getting phone calls from an unknown number. Nobody likes to answer phone calls from unknown numbers. He's not answering them. Finally, the guy is incessant. The person is incessant. He answered the phone. Hello? He says, yeah. He says, do you remember the person you just changed a tire for? He says, yeah. I got to tell you, he says. Thank you again, first of all. And secondly, you told me you work for the Lubavitch. So I must tell you that the Rebbe sent you to change my tire. Needless to say, this is something that is. Mr. I did you a favor. What are you making fun of me? Trying to make fun? He says, don't knock what I'm telling you. Hear me out, please. 1957. 50 years ago. I was a therapist in New Square. But I lived in Brooklyn. I had a car. I would commute every day to work. Many people do it. I did the same. I knew I needed I knew the road like the back of my hand. They knew it by heart. I could have driven in my sleep. 1957, I believe say. It was a summer day. And I was driving my car. I must have gotten distracted by a text or something. And I missed my exit. Somebody's wondering how you got distracted by a text in 1957, huh? <laughs> okay, thanks. Um... Something distracted him. I missed my exit. So I had to get off the next exit. And I was pushing the GPS it wasn't connecting. 1957. And and I ended up on another highway. On this other highway I see a car on the side of the road with a bunch of chassidim. So I pull over. Tutsach Rebbe, what's going on over here? I see the system clamoring on the car. And the Rebbe was by the side of the it, by a tree. He was safer. What happened to you? So we got a flat. We have no tools to change it. 1957, Rabbi Yisai, I had tools in my car. I changed the flat. And the Rebbe came over, F2s, and asked me, told me, Ashkayach, how much do I owe you? Rebbe, why? Well, I, I can do a favor, I can do a mitzvah. I'm not taking any money for this. My mitzvah. They Rebbe told him, Yeshekeach. Then when you told me you work for the Rebbe, I understood right away that the Rebbe sent you now to pay back my tire changing back in 1957. Fifty years later, the Rebbe sent somebody to pay back this fellow who changed his tire for him. Shalom Kodesh says, and we spoke about the Mata, the Mata's and Masai and Devarim are always read in Ben Amsarim. Always read in Ben in the weeks between Shabbat and Tishabav. Because they have a direct effect, as we said. These three Pashas, have a direct effect on the being Ahmad We said before, what is Matas? Chassidus explains. We spoke about the Shevet and the Matas. And their service to Hashem. And this is ultimately the lesson, as we said before, to call Yisrael, how we need to, one needs to strengthen ourselves. Although we are the soft staff, just freshly detached from our tree, from our source, we need to strengthen ourselves to the level of mate. At the end of the Parsha, At the end of the parasha, we find a war that takes place. Elif <speaking> Lamate, <in Hebrew> says, a thousand of me shavet, Chomate S'israel T'shalchul HaTzala. You should send to the war. Rashi says, what does the Chomate <speaking> israel <in Hebrew> mean to all the shavet, every tribe? <speaking in Hebrew> Shevet Levi. The tribe of Levi, of Levi, also had to send people to go battle. We know very well, Shevet Levi was never obligated to go to war. What's happening here? Why Shevet Levi not go to war? Because they're set aside to serve God in the temple. So they were separated from everyone else. And they never went to battle. They're God's army. The battle against Midian, however, was different than any other battle. All of the battles... Were or in order to conquer the land, etc. The war against the Midianites was only to take revenge, God, to avenge God's revenge on this nation of Midian. So now we understand. Although they were always separated from the rest of the world and didn't go to war, the darkielim, but for nikkmas for the re- revenge of God, for the vengeance of God, they more than anyone else are at the head, at the helm, because they were separated to serve God. From this, we then also all the other Jews of the nation. The words of the Rambam: Leishevet levi Bilvad, ishu isha. Not only Shavit Levi itself, but every man and woman that was able to dedicate and devote that knew to separate themselves and serve God, they were sanctified for the Holy of Holies. Hashem Hun Achlosi, says. God is His Chalkei and God is his inheritance. Just as the Kahanim and Leviim, we say, so too, any Jew that is ready to dedicate and devote themselves to Judaism, to the God, is God as his inheritance. Because one could think, if I separate myself, separate myself, for the service of God? And from the surroundings that are around me? Am I becoming totally a different entity? But the war against Midian teaches us that just the opposite. God's army, Shavit Levi, who are obligated to serve and to fight God's battle and to conquer those who stand against God especially the Midianites as we learn Madayn Umeriva these people had to influence Kval Yisrael to unite and to come together to the battle of Hashem and to stand for the name of God comes the end of the parsha. ben bemenasha holach. ben bemenasha went at the end of Matas. Vayukir is and he conquered the villages. Vayikra and chavas and he calls them chavas yoyer. We have a very interesting story that takes place in this parsha. Shevet Ruben, Shevet God, come to Moshe and say, we don't want to go into Etzel, we want to stay on this side. And ultimately half of Shevet Menashe as well. It was pasture rich territory. And the Jews had conquered it from the east of Yardin which is outside the land of Canaan and they wanted to settle there. And the Torah relates that Yair who came from the tribe of Menashe as we said also lived here he conquered a large swath of land and he called Chavez Yair villages of Yair. We find also in in Teda and Navi, these lands, these parts of Yair, were 60 cities (coughs) and the surrounding villages. So why did Yair place so much emphasis on the villages? Naming the villages... More than the whole area itself. The 60 cities he doesn't call Chavas; he doesn't call Yair under his name. But this little village is what he calls Chavas Yair. One of the reasons that Ruben and God in Chattishev Minasha wanted to settle on this side of the Yardin, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar writes, Because this is beautiful ter- territory and they didn't want this to become occupied or repopulated by the non-Jews. And to bring Ave Zara, etc. So to ensure that the cities and towns didn't get re- rededicated with all the Ave Zara, they settled it. And therefore the trader specifies how they renamed certain cities there that shouldn't have names of idols. This shows us, ultimately, this highlights for us the true intentions of this nation, of the Jews. The objective was to reinvent these cities. Eliminating all the Avedizad, all the idols, worship that was once prevalent there. Filling them instead with the service of God. Now that we hear this, so now we understand Teter's emphasis of the villages that Yair conquered. Simply, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the transformation that Yair caused in this whole territory and this turf. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara Chagiga, 13, side 2, Yidimad Nashi over there. gives a site, as an example. The difference between a city dweller and a villager when the king goes by. When the king goes by, The city dweller knows how to stand respectfully. Knows how to straighten his tie. Brush himself off. And stand with reverence. Greeting the king. The villager, the guy who lives in a little village, he never sees royalty. It's actually a little exciting seeing this. And he clamors and pushes to see. So Yair, who conquered the villages, called him Chavis Yair. Because what was his line of work? Constant novelty and excitement. He made Melach Malcham Lochim known to everyone. Even those who never saw, who never understood what royalty was, never understood what kedusha was. He made them. He put Hakadosh Baruch as we say, on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, squeeze in one more thing about the parasha <laughs> a man who vows to God or takes an oath placing a prohibition upon himself he may not violate his word and it tells us according to whatever came out of his mouth, he should do we know the repercussions behind this we know the story of Yiftach recently we read the After of Yiftach, the story where Yiftach went to war and swore that the first thing that came out of his ba- house he would bring as a sacrifice to God if he's successful at war Lo, and behold, sorry, the first thing when he came he returns back from war, the first thing that came out of his house was his daughter. And it leaving him no option. There's different opinions as to what happened. Whether he actually killed her or he exiled her out in the mountains never to be married, which is similar to death Rachmanamad's son. Person who declares this is prohibited to me just like a karbum, like a sacrifice. A permissible item that usually he can use. The person must abide by his vow, and he can't use it. A person can take an actual animal and say, I'm making this a carbon. Making it therefore holy, making it, giving it its sanctity, and of course making it also to be used for personal use. So this vow that one could do with a carbon, with an animal that he owns, a mundane animal, and just say he's going to make this for a sacrifice, and thereby becomes holy. Anyone could do that with any kind of item they have in their house, saying that they're sanctifying this to God. On the other hand, if a person says, This is going to become prohibited to me like the flesh of a chaza, the flesh of a swine. Keeping score at home, the says, 14 side 1 says, This is meaningless. why? because the flesh of a swine is inherently not kosher and it's prohibited by God not because somebody made it sanctified it, consecrated it and therefore it cannot serve as a model for a vow let us understand the true purpose of a vow according to the data Ideally, God wants us to utilize everything that's physical in the world for service to God. But if rather, instead of elevating something, one gets drawn into it. He may take a vow of abstinence to protect himself from succumbing to temptation, etc. This is why many things according to the Tera were permissible. But the Chacham, who say in the Mishnah, make a fence for the Tera. They increased Challenges in terms of living a sanctified life, taking simply additional precautions. This is not only, this whole concept of vows is not only to minimize our contact with temptation. Rather, we draw additional Kedusha upon ourselves. Sanctity. Giving ourselves the strength to overcome any obstacles that may be obstacles to our divine mission to God. And therefore, we understand now why the vow is based on a comparison to a Karbun. And if it's based on to a karban it's effective whereas the davar asr it's not something that's prohibited it's not because when it comes to a sacrifice Taylor prohibits a personal use afterwards and therefore it's inevitable that that's how it has to be used and this shu'a this nether is to help us along in our Avedis Hashem. But the Teder tells us regardless, we must see to it that we keep our vows. And this itself is a mitzvah that's mentioned here, that one needs to see to it that if they make a vow, they keep that vow to the end of the highest level possible. A posuk from Navi Yecheskel. We know that the Malach is taking Yecheskel for a journey throughout the entire temple, and he brings him one place to another place to another. To the courtyards. And he shows them exactly how the Baysimiglish has to be built. As he spoke last week, the idea behind it is that he should tell everybody that there is such a building. And therefore... They should know that the Golas is coming to an end and this building is built. The Malach itself goes everywhere in the Temple. And when it comes ultimately to the Holy of Holies, to the Kedish Kedoshim, out to him and he tells him you can't go in here I will reach out I will call out to you all the measurements that there are within the Holy of Holies but he himself is not allowed to enter even this is a vision a vision of the temple but when it came to the Holy of Holies he was still not allowed to go into it. This was a vision via prophecy. But still this was off-limits to him and therefore he was not allowed to enter. That's one posuk. Turning to the Mishnahis of Midday's. Mishnah tells us about the Mizbeach. And how the Mizbeach had a very interesting concept that a chuta It was a red string that went around the middle of the Mizbeach and there are certain times where blood needed to be sprayed on the Mizbeach. Every sacrifice, the blood needed to be sprayed. Some bloods needed to be sprayed on the top half and some on the bottom half. This is where the Chuta Sikra comes to play. The top half was on top of the Chuta Sikra. This is where the bottom half, of course, at the bottom Ultimately, the Mizbeach had two holes on the side which the blood slid down to and went into these two holes which drained out into the Nachal Kidre. <coughs> the Rambam tells us on, that the Mizbeach needed to be made of stones exact measurements. You could not do anything with that mezbeach. You could not build anything with that mezbeach. It needed to have the stones that fit in perfectly. You were not allowed to cut the, mezbe- the stones. They were stones taken from the ground that they were never worked on under the ocean or whatever. If a stone was touched by metal, it became puzzle. It became unfit. If it was on the Mizbeach and touched by metal, it needed to be removed and a different one put in its place. Mishnah Ches Peireg Sheni Peireg Yeoves Rabbi Yechelah Min Zakkai Kibble Me Himel Hila Vashamai Yechelah Min received from Hila and Shammai He would say "In the matter to Tera Harbe if you learned a lot of Tehra, don't hold so great of yourself. That's why you were created. If you studied a lot of Tehra, the Misha says, don't feel complacent. Don't feel you've done it and you've accomplished. You need to constantly strive to increase whatever you attained. And do not claim a special credit for yourself. It's something you should be proud of. I finished, I learned so much, I accomplished so much. But when the person studies enough, and studies it well, and applies it to his daily life, he's uniting himself with God, and he sees to himself how much higher he could actually, actually achieve. So therefore, when a person does see that he achieved so much, he gets a little bit haughty tells us to Mishnah, take it easy. Don't lose your humility. But ultimately, this is what you were created for. And it's not you were created back when you were born. Creation is a constant concept. We are constantly being recreated by God. The Altarebbe writes in Tanya, each moment, all existence in the world is renewed. So by emphasizing the connection between Torah study and creation of the world the kachal tzorto the Mishnah is telling us the concept that a person can never rest on his laurels never sit back and say I'm good, I'm satisfied. It's that every moment he must move forward and constantly see to it to strive to fulfill his purpose for creation of this world. May we fulfill our purpose of the three weeks which would be ultimately to bring about Geul Amitiz Vashlema and this Shabbos we say Chazak, Chazak, V'Nizh Chazek as we join together with our brethren in Israel and the entire world comes together and we scream Chazak, Chazak, V'Nizh Chazek may we be strengthened by the Kaula Amitis Vashnamatul Ayyma Shabbat Shalom to all.